a lot of the reasons that we that we don't come out or that we're, we don't do things that we want to do um, is we tell ourselves that oh society isn't ready for that or oh our parents oh whatever isn't ready for that and sometimes that's absolutely true but other times and a lot of the time that's just negative self-talk Listening to This Polyamorous Life, collecting stories of the struggles and triumphs of non-monogamous people wherever I find them. I'm Reg, and this week you'll be hearing a conversation I had with Charity, but she's interviewing me. So who am I? I've been the person hosting this podcast for the last bunch of months, and you don't know too much about me, but hopefully that's about to change. So uh, keep listening, and you'll learn a little bit about who I am and what I'm all about. We're recording. Cool. So, my turn, Reg. I get to interview the host. Since you're collecting stories of everybody else, do you, we thought it could be cool to share some of yours. So maybe let's... Rewind a bit and tell us about how you got into polyamory. Okay, um, how did I get into polyamory? Well, it's one of those things. Where do you want me to to start? Because at the start, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so um, I fell in love with a girl, um, but at the time I was a virgin, and that uh, so and we like. We had sex. That was exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, b- basically sort of this decision was made that like, I don't want to be the only person you've ever had sex with type thing was a, a thing that she said. Um, and so we had, we opened our relationship and we uh, did some things with like threesomes and stuff like that. Um, and then um, we, you know, kept doing this open relationship thing for a while and then I fell in love with another girl <laughs> met another girl um actually we, we both met this other girl um so I should point out I married the one the first girl mm-hmm. and then met this other girl and she was somebody who was all about polyamory like that was a, a word that she was using I had heard of the word polyamory but I didn't really associate what we were doing with that at the time. Um, just because we weren't forming what we would, we wouldn't, we weren't calling them romantic relationships mm-hmm. with other people, but they were certainly like, there was certainly love there in the like small L sense of the word. Um, you know, they, uh, but where was I going with this? Anyway, so this new partner, um, then was like, you know, what is, you know, what are you doing? And like, what are you currently doing? And asking us like, okay, so you, you know, have sex with your friends. Do you say that you love your friends? And I don't, didn't particularly say that I love my friends, but uh, my wife does. (laughs) Yeah, she does. (laughs) She says that all the time. And so, you know, so it was the sort of thing of like, so what's the difference between what you're doing and polyamory? was the thing that came up and it was just kind of like i don't know and polyamory was definitely something that uh this new partner wanted um wanted to pursue and um and she wanted to pursue me so it was kind of like all right i was into her she was into me and 
polyamory was kind of part of that deal and we were like okay and all that really was was just a matter of sort of changing the the labels that we were putting on things really and um that's how it it started for us yeah so we we don't have the the usual like oh we were struggling and opened up our marriage or something like that that wasn't what we were doing we kind of began in an open situation and just sort of floated into polyamory that way cool so for you what is like how do you differentiate between an open relationship and something that is polyamorous that's the million dollar question mm-hmm. yeah in sure this is. Case, right so so like and that was in exactly the thing because um the idea was that we couldn't really at the time now certainly there are there are people who are in open relationships who, you know, you know, oh, the moment you're starting to have feelings, then that means that you can't see that person again and stuff like that. Like, that's a thing that people do and stuff. And yep. so they, they, you can have this, like, draw a hard line uh, between love and sex and say you can only have um, sex with other people. You can't fall in love with other people. Um, is a thing that I've heard of and, (laughs) um, not a thing that I've, um, not a thing that I've actually really, uh, witnessed done to be honest. Cause, uh, I mean, at least to me that, that sounds, um, crazy. Like (laughs) it sounds like, it sounds like something that wouldn't work. Right. Um, in the sense of just the amount of, um, negative feelings that saying, no, you can't do this. Like, you can't go see a person that you're falling in love with. The amount of negative feelings that that would bring up just seems to be um, extremely counterproductive to what you, you know, what the goal of a person putting that rule down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Now... But that, at that point, it's not even really... Like, it's just monogamy with, like, somebody going off and having sex. Yeah. If they're they're playing that veto card, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I know there there's swingers who who have this rule of like, oh, it's just sex and, and not about love. And, and like, they can do it. And the, I guess the thing is, if you police yourself and do that, and oh, I'm starting to have feelings, so I'm going to back off. I guess that can work. Yeah, it seems like a work, though. Like a lot of policing yourself would just be <laughs> yeah, and, really and hard. I mean, yeah, but uh, I mean, to, to play the, the advocate for, I want to say devil's advocate, because I don't think they're the devil. <laughs> But to play the advocate for the swingers, of which I'm not, like, you know, polyamory's hard. Too. Totally. Love, loving a bunch of people's hard. Absolutely. Loving one, yeah. per, one person can be hard enough for some people. And, and you know, I, you know, I am, uh, I am sort of person who tries my best to, um, like, I don't want to be prescriptive about how people should do non-monogamy or anything like that. But there are some times where it's just like, well, there's what would work for, there's what works for me. And then there's what works for you know and there's what works for other people but there's i'll be honest about how i'm feeling about what works for me and you know um but yeah there are so there are sometimes that where i'll say things like oh that sounds crazy but that's my own like that would be crazy for me yeah but if uh there are swingers who can um make it work um you know that then more power to them i suppose absolutely but uh yeah though it is just a thing of um was I going to say just the the self-policing thing it's like yeah that's a lot of work loving a lot of people's a lot of, a lot of work basically when you sign up for this life be ready to do some work both 
on yourself and with other people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, no matter what form of non-monogamy you choose, mm-hmm. as long as it's consensual mm-hmm. and done in an open open way. Yeah. yeah. Or even or even monogamy even. Like any sort yeah. of relationship that you're in, be prepared to do be prepared to work. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That which isn't to say that like there's also bad relationships. Don't stay in bad relationships. But also, you know, the, there's there's the work that you need to do on yourself to um, to be a good person in a relationship. And to also be everyone. a yeah. good person on your own because yeah. you need to continually be growing and like personal change and personal growth and then mm-hmm. growing within relationships that support that growth. Yeah. Because relationships, no matter what type of relationship, be it non-monogamy polyamory or monogamous like Mm -hmm. they need to allow for personal growth or you start to have negative feelings of resentment or whatever else could go with that exactly right there's no perfect form of relationship it's finding out what works for those involved and i think that's kind of like what you're trying to do with the podcast too is just show different ways of relationships working or maybe not depending on the stories that you're collecting yeah yeah you know, the way I want to come at this is I'm going to start with polyamory is good. Polyamory is is, uh, is definitely good. But also, you know, what is the realities of polyamory? What is the realities of non-monogamy? What is the realities of, of, of people who, uh, in, in monogamous relationships who are around non-monogamy as well? You know, how, how does that, um, what does that actually look like as opposed to the people who go out and find stories about oh this successful poly they have been a successful triad for 30 years or whatever right like that's the only story that might get told or you know this the stories that are important enough to have um where it's like this this woman has just had a child that has two fathers and she's not saying who the father is so they get all of all of them get on there um, birth certificate. Yeah, and that and, happened in Newfoundland, yeah, yeah, where exactly. a family was granted as a polyamorous family. Yeah, because the mother yeah, was in a relationship exactly. with two men and, and didn't want to have a single father to exactly. create a family and unit. And that's an excellent story that needs to be told. Yes, but at the same time, right? There are, I think, a lot of people now who are like, okay, this polyamory thing is a legit option and maybe a legit option for them. And if we are going to do that in society, cool, but then we should have the same, we should have the same sort of stories that we tell about polyamory that we tell about monogamy, which is all the different possible stories. Yeah. Right. And there's tons. Right. Exactly. There's so many different ways that it can go. And that's kind of what I want to be doing. Telling not just, you know, not just the kind of cookie cutter this is, you know, there's, oh, there, there's this idyllic life or the opposite of, um, you know, polyamory is bad and evil or anything like that, right? I, you know, the truth is somewhere, as always, somewhere in between, you know, that it's uh, a difficult 
it's difficult to live. It's difficult to be a human, basically. Humans are messy, messy creatures. <laughs> and <laughs> and that is kind of the thing that I want to be um, reflecting on, basically, in this um in this podcast, I want people to um, celebrate the good things and uh, perhaps grieve might be extreme, but, you know, talk about the hard things and um, make it clear what uh, what the real um, I mean, the, you know, in, in the preamble to the show, I talk about triumphs and struggles. Right? Yeah, like that's that's the thing that I want to be highlighting, that it's not. Uh, it's not always easy, but there's also a lot of good things that come out of it and stuff like that. So coming back to your experience, what have been some of your triumphs and some of your struggles within well, polyamory? <laughs> I mean, so there's a the my nesting partner that I have right that I have right now, the person who I, I'm married to, and uh, we have a kid, and it's um, it's pretty good, and we're planning on. Um, uh, we have uh, the partner that we're in a triad with that um, she's planning on moving in with us. And that's really exciting. And, yes. and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really good. I think. Yeah. The uh, next time I come back from Germany, I'll probably yeah. be living together. Yeah. I mean, so, so that's the thing that that's happening. And with that comes struggles and challenges. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of upheaval a little bit about, um, you know, things like, um, my current nesting partner and I have really sort of gotten used to each other, but at the same time there's now, okay, we're going to have this new nesting partner who has her own ways of living. And for example, her house is way cleaner than ours. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, is, is one example. So, so now any mess in our house is a thing that is reminding me of like, oh no, <laughs> how is this going to go? in March, you know, when we move in, is this going to be a problem? All that sort of stuff. Um, you know, things like how our finances going to work, all that sort of stuff. Those are struggles that we, we haven't figured out yet. We're going to, it's, it's on the to-do list of figuring out. It's December right now. There's this, Christmas is a coming and we're focusing on that for the moment. But once we get through that, then we'll start talking about the more nitty gritty uh, I mean, you know, the, the saving for a house and all that, that has been figured out. But the, um, you know, like the daily, the daily, monthly who's, expenses who's, of... who's paying for what and all that. Yeah, that's a thing that we still need to to organize and figure out. I mean, it'll be it'll be nice having three incomes. So that will make things quite a bit easier in some ways. But then there's also just the, you know, it's the, the, the doing it, the mm-hmm. living it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you haven't thing. done it before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so the, the, there's that. There's, um, I mean, there's been other struggles too with, uh, I've had, um, you know, the struggles that are similar to some things that, uh, have, that other people have had on the podcast. Like there have been, uh, partners who, um, partners who only show up when they are single and then are like the serial monogamous people who like, entirely disappear when they're <laughs> when they've oh they're off in a relationship and then they show off show up when they're sing- single and that's sad because it's like losing a friend each time yeah there's stuff like that there's um you know i've been in situations where i've um had had partners that ended up dealing with stuff that was too much for me to deal with 
<laughs> you know um and it was sad at the time basically but the, there were you know people who i i genuinely respect and i think are excellent people but are not people that i can be partners with basically because of just just the um the issues that they were dealing with yep um and and all that and you know there's been a um a lot of different ups and downs but uh yeah we, we've been the three of us my um my nesting partner and um, our, my future nesting partner, who's, going, who's a partner to both of us. Anyway, um, the three of us have been quite lucky, um, I think. We've uh, been able to, to keep it going in, um, so far, and I think that uh, I, there's no signs of stopping. I know we've had some conversations about like podcasts and community leadership and power, and mm-hmm. just wondering like how that... Like fits in with you and doing the podcast and also being a community leader because you helped to kind of spearhead some of the polyamory community in Windsor area, right? Well, yeah. I mean, so the reason that, like, that's one of the reasons that we do the podcast is just to let people know that Windsor polyamory exists and it's a thing. You know, there's a reason that it says that, you know, this is sponsored by Windsor polyamory you know, surprise, Windsor Polyamory doesn't actually give us money. Windsor Polyamory just is us, <laughs> is how that works. So it's just um, that we want people to know that Windsor Polyamory is a community that exists um, and for them to to, uh, to reach out to us, come out to our events, um, find us on Facebook or any of the places. <laughs> um, we've got a website, um, you know, windsorpolyamory.wordpress.com there. Now I've said the, the things. Good plug um, in. <laughs> yeah. Got to put the plugs in, but yeah. Um, you know, it, it's important to create that community. Um, but also kind of what I'm hoping the podcast is, uh, I, I don't want it to be a bunch of interviews with the leaders of communities. Like this is going to be one of the few ones that's a leader of community. We've had, we've interviewed a few other leaders, but the, the I, main idea is to sort of get an idea of what it's like to be polyamorous or what it's like to be non-monogamous, um, as opposed to the um as opposed to telling people how to be yeah in some sense right like um that because there are some great podcasts out there that are sort of the how-to's podcasts uh multi-amory is incredible for that um they're really good and and polyamory weekly does their advice stuff and yep. it's good um and um what i think um what i what i we're trying to do is instead sort of rather than be prescriptive be descriptive about like what what is happening and sure there's lessons that can be learned but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh you know the the people that we're talking about are not necessarily the uh, people that should always be um emulated depending Mm -hmm. upon depending upon who you are dear listener (laughs) right like you know the people that we're talking to are people who have lived real lives and are telling their real stories and um you can learn from them not necessarily how to like not to copy them but to see what pitfalls they've made and avoid those or oh you know mental health for example is a thing that exists that i need to be aware of it's huge (laughs) right or or um you know how do we talk about uh, pansexuality 
or those sort of things. Like those are important topics. Um, you know, how do we talk about these things? That is an important lesson to learn for people. You know, um, whether it's um, you know whether it's something that they are currently dealing with, but knowing in the future, like especially if it is somebody who's going to come out to um, events and things, you know, you're going to meet somebody who has any of these different intersections varying identities of... yeah, any of these identities and how do you how do you discuss that in a way that is um positive and accepting and um yeah and and i mean for that matter just without putting your foot in your mouth you know um that's another thing that you can do just by listening to people and and learning about how <laughs> how to how to talk about that sort of stuff and that's kind of what one of the services that I'm hoping this podcast is providing. Um, but yeah, and, and just generally p giving people a feeling of what it is it like to have a community of people um, that are going through the same things that you're going through. Um, you know, because there's a lot of people that are out there I know who are um, thinking about polyamory or maybe they identify themselves as polyamory, but uh, and, and but they haven't yet gone and connected to other people and they're and you know that creates a feeling of isolation and such yeah. <laughs> is um you know it's a thing i've felt for sure like even with being in the community there's still i'm only just now coming out at work you know i am only now um fully out to my family like there's i spent a long time not being entirely out and there's a lot of um a lot of tough feelings about being closeted, right? A lot of, um, you know, the, the sort of things that you could tell your friends at work uh, if you were in a monogamous relationship, and but you can't if you're in a polyamorous relationship and closeted. Yeah. You know, um, you know, just the sort of thing of like when when you have a really good day and with your partners, you can't share that with anyone else if you're closeted. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of things like that that it's uh, yeah. But these are reasons to have the podcast. Absolutely, and like I think it's important too to understand in your case that there comes a significant amount of just social privilege in order to even be able to come out. Yeah. But it's absolutely. still taken a significant amount of time yeah. for someone who has various social privileges. Absolutely. Yeah. Including so I'm, class. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming at a place where like I, I have all the social privileges yeah. essentially at this point and I am only now just coming out. Um, and part of that is part of that is, was, was just fear. Mm -hmm. Um, but fear is valid. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a, a not a theme, but a kind of a, a bit of a motif that um, comes up in in a few of the different interviews that that I've done, um, where a lot of the reasons that we that we don't come out or that we're we don't do things that we want to do um, is we tell ourselves that oh society isn't ready for that or oh, our parents, oh, whatever, isn't ready for that. And sometimes that's absolutely true. But other times, and a lot of the time, that's just negative self-talk. You know, um, the, you know, for a lot of the time, you know, I, I remember talking to Balash and Ireland, and the there's a lot of fear there still about um, 
being you know having their events out in the open um and and advertising their events in in um public places or putting signs up saying that you know this is what this is or anything like that mm-hmm. and uh and and that's one of those things where it's just like i am not convinced that there would actually be the backlash that people fear you know it's one of those things like you because the thing is that everyone is so scared that they just don't do it they just don't try maybe so but there's definitely groups of people who already have significant amounts of um stigma and oppression that it is hard for them to put another difference between them and the the, oh absolutely majority right absolutely what what i'm talking about is like the work that needs to be done to to bring polyamory into a place where we don't have to be living in fear that work requires being out and open right yes also we need to be protecting people who can't be out and open Right. So there's there is this this two sided thing, Mm -hmm. but there but it is the sort of thing where at least in in my experience and yeah, I'm coming from a place of of privilege, but so are a lot of other people. Yes. Too, right? Right. So there's 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 a lot of of arguments around polyamory (laughs) being a relationship form that more so privileged people are able to sure access. Sure, for sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. And and you know, the what I'm saying is that um, polyamory and, and other forms of non-monogamy are things that, you know, if we want to, um, you know, if we want to change the way that people see us, then people have to see us. Mm-hmm. With that Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, the, who, who, who bears that burden? Not everyone, right? If you're not, if you don't feel like you're able to be out, well, then don't come out yet. But you know, there, that should be, I think, a goal for everyone. So how do people who are privileged, like you and I, because <laughs> we have various privileges, mm-hmm. act as leaders to create more inclusive communities to support people who want to be a part of the community, but may not necessarily feel like it's accessible or safe? Right, right. So that is a, that's an important thing too. Uh, we have to do a lot of um, important work about, you know, how do you create your events? How do you, um, you know, what sort of work do you do to make safe spaces, right? Um, the venue that we have our events at is great because um, for, for, um, our, uh, for our socials, it's almost always just us in that in that place. It's it, uh, and um, the uh, owners of the squirrel cage are um, active members in the gay community, and are you know they're the people who you know are the ones who you know tell me how to get in contact with the pride parade and stuff like that so that we can be in the pride parade, right? So we're in a place where we're very supported and. You know, but we do have to make sure that we're implementing rules like, you know, don't take pictures at our events. And if people want to be, um, you know, if people need things to be secure, you know, we, we have to we do those things to make sure of that. At the same time, um, there is certain there is certain things that we're we don't do. So so we are in Windsor where we sort of grew out of the the munch, the munch um, for BDSM. 
the munch is way more um, all about uh, everybody uses code names and all these sort of things that everybody has seen names that they don't, you know, often you don't know people's first names even. That's yep. not what we're doing because we're, we have a different goals, right? We're, you know, where protection is important, sure, but also, you know, there's the idea that people need to be, you know, talking about people being out, right? That that is a, you know, you know and, and so that, what that means is for um, some people, you know, if that, that might be a barrier for some people for coming to our events, because we basically introduce people by first names. Now, that doesn't mean that you always have to introduce yourself by first name. You can also make up a name and come to our event, and that's perfectly fine, yep. right? But, you know, our culture at our events is, you know, people go by their names. Um, but on the other hand, now that I think about it, the, the scene name thing is a barrier to people as well in, in other ways, right? Um, yeah, I mean, with, with that, it's always, um, it, uh, there's the quote from Spider-Man in Infinity War where he, right? <laughs> you would go there. Well, you know, it's, it's the whole thing that happens, you know, where somebody will introduce themselves and then it's like, oh, what? We're doing scene names. We're doing super. Are we doing our superhero names? Or are we yeah, doing our real? There's always real names? that kind of confusion at munches because you really just never know. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of loop back a bit. Is your location accessible to people with different physical abilities? Um, so that is a thing that is. Let's put it this way. It is. Um, it is got a big flight of stairs. <laughs> And that's a real issue for us, um, in a in a way, because that is a thing that we are aware of, that uh, that is a can be an issue. However, we haven't had anyone um, tell us that, like anyone uh, tell us that it's a a, a problem. Um, we've have we've had uh, one or two people who have ne- needed help getting up the stairs, and we've been able to support that. Um, we, so people in like, um, wheel, who need wheelchair access or something like that. If, if there's anyone in Windsor who, you know, wants to be involved in our community and in a wheelchair, then sadly there is this slight barrier of they need to get in contact with us and let us know that they exist so that then we can be like, okay, we need to find a new venue. Um, but so far that hasn't been the case. Okay. Now the other, the other thing, and the reason that, um, the, cause this is a thing that comes up every once in a while about how, you know, oh, there's that big flight of stairs and that's not very accessible. The thing is that on a Friday night in Windsor, most venues have live music. The last place that we had had live music. Most venues have, uh, most restaurants are going to have noise. They're going to be loud. The great thing with our venue is that it's quiet. And the way that I, so the way that I um, think about it is our venue is actually very accessible to people who are, who have um, like distraction issues or anything like that for people who are hard of hearing for, you know, anything along those lines. Our venue is more accessible that way than pretty much any of the places that would be wheel, that would be wheelchair accessible. So it's one of the things where it's just like there's a there's a balance that we're striking here, and okay. but it is something that is it's on our radar. <laughs> there, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel bad about it, but at, at the same time, I also we we've had events in places that um, we've had events in places where the the volume was much worse than it is where we are now, and um, 
that's a uh, it just wasn't as good a, a feeling. Yeah, I hate going into really loud bars to try to get to know people because it's just like I can't. I see your lips moving, but I can't. Yeah, I can't e- hear exactly. you exactly. And the the whole point of our socials is to be social, is to talk to each other and to um and to learn from each other and to really get to know each other. And if you're we're in a venue where you can't hear each other, then that's that's not doing its job. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we're lucky to be in a city that has a lot of venues that are reasonably accessible. Um, yeah. How do you make the community accessible, um, open and welcoming to people who are people of color, people who are trans, people who are kind of at these more further edges of society? Yeah. Who are more marginalized? Like, how do you make it inclusive for them? Well, there's a great book that I read. Um, it's called Love's Not Colorblind by... Insert name of author here. Can't think of his name. Oh, Patterson. Something Patterson. His name is Kevin Patterson. It's a real good book. He t- he talks about this this idea about, you know, how do we create an inclusive space? And the important things is you know making sure that you know anything that we can do to make to to have people see themselves reflected in our space then that's really good but um what can sometimes happen and and this is a thing that has been slowly changing for us um we did not have many trans people for example at our events until recently um and what has happened in the city is uh there has been a um sort of external to us uh some um trans and gender queer folks have come together and started doing a polyamory meetup of their own and you know we were really happy about that because we knew that this was a uh, a segment of the population that we weren't we weren't doing a good job of serving just because when you know trans people did show up they just didn't see themselves reflected mm-hmm. um not that uh there was anyone in our group who was um being transphobic necessarily just just that you know you show up at a place and you don't see you know you, you show up at the cafeteria and you don't see your friends you just you leave. You'd end up. You leave, or you sit down by yourself. Like that. That's sort of the sort of yeah. thing, right? Um, and and that's a thing that is um a concern for us. So um so yeah. So it was really good that they started that because then they could find their people, right? They could find people that that um they could be more knew they could, they let's put it this way. They found people they knew they could be comfortable around. Yeah, that's the way to put it. They found people they knew they could be comfortable around, and then as a group they could start coming out to our events, so knowing that there would be people they would be comfortable around, and then getting to know us and realizing, oh, these are also people that we can be comfortable around, and stuff like that. That is a thing that is slowly happening now, and hopefully will continue. Um, yeah, the, the, like we do suffer a little bit from the polyamory so white <laughs> thing uh not as bad as in some other places because windsor is a quite a diverse community um yeah but but it, it is a sort of thing of you know if there's any um racism or anything like that like that is 
the sort of thing that would get people banned and kicked out from our events. Um, Good. Obviously, right? <laughs> so for us, it's much more along the lines of, you know, making sure that people feel welcome no matter who they, uh, no matter what their ethnicity or uh, background that way. Um, but also making sure that if there's anyone who is making people feel uncomfortable, right, then that needs to be addressed immediately. There's the idea of, um, there's an idea that uh, goes around about um, sort of the, the scarcity idea that, you know, and this is a thing that we have to um, police within ourselves. There's this idea that, oh, we want to keep all of the polyamory people, all of the polyamorous people coming. But if there's people who are making people feel uncomfortable or anything like that, the, the, those things need to be addressed. And we have had to do that before, too, where there have been people who um, were, 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 well, there are people who are no longer welcome at our events because of things they have done and things that they have said. You know, and that's part of the stuff that we have to do to make sure that we are welcoming. Is mm -hmm. the strange, strange thing is, you know, in order to be a welcoming place, sometimes we have to kick people out. So, what do you actively do to keep the safe space? Like when you say that you've had people who are no longer welcome, like how are the, how did you, how did you do that? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. What so are your kind of like? What are your community guidelines? I guess in keeping the community safe from like predators and those mm -hmm. kind of people well yeah so l luckily we haven't had too many issues uh along the sort of predator mm -hmm. front here um windsor's a relatively small place and i don't know if that's the reason but uh, i know our our friends in detroit have had to deal with that a bit more um you know also we we're lucky in that uh our our group a lot of the time kind of will work a bit as a team when there's something if if something's fishy we get told about it um but yeah we have had a situation where um a person was um basically someone who was a like a sexual abuser um came to like came to our event and somebody else made that known what his uh actions had been and that person was at was asked and then firmly told to leave and uh they did and that's 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 what we've had to do like we haven't had to do um you know too much more than that luckily but it you know it was the sort of thing where they, we just had to make it clear that, that person was not no longer welcome at our uh event um, but you know, that's, that's the sort of thing where doing that makes it so that more people feel safe. Yeah. And that is more important to ensure the safety of the majority and maintain a safe space exactly. than to allow a few people who may have questionable ethics and beliefs or actions into right. the community at the risk of others. Right. So you touched on it really briefly. Okay. Um, but what are the goals of like... The community and the podcast like what are you trying to achieve with both of those well so yeah the, the for windsor polyamory the main the main goal is providing a safe space for people to come out and uh come out in all senses of that term but to uh to, to be together with other polyamorous people and talk about their experiences and to feel safe and secure in those places that is our definitely our main goal cool um you know and then we have you know sort of an auxi the auxiliary goal of or you know secondary goal of um 
you know, gaining acceptance for polyamory in society and things like that. Like, and there's some things that we do for that. We march in the pride parade and things like that, gain it to create awareness of who we are and what we do, you know, um, that you exist, that we exist, you know, that we exist and that we, uh, deserve support and, and the everything else that everybody else gets. Yep. <laughs> Um, so there's that, um, the, for the podcast, um, you know, the podcast goal is, uh, to, um, you know, first goal is to document what's going on in polyamory at this point in the world, like at this time and to, to see what's going on, uh, mostly in Windsor and a bit in Detroit and also around the world. Um, but also, uh, just as a, you know, as I mentioned, just as a way of making people aware that uh, community is important mm -hmm. and to go seek theirs. And if you happen to be in the Windsor-Essex County area, to come on down. <laughs> you know, uh, we want we want that. Um, so there is a certain sort of marketing slash advertising side to this podcast a little bit that way. Sure. That's kind of some of the nature of them. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, yeah, and and that's kind of the the idea here, and and also of course to increase acceptance and things like that. But um, but the the thing with podcasts though, right? Because it's not because um, it's not mass media in the, quite the same way. Um, is you know I'm sure that the people who are listening have somehow searched this polyamorous life. Right. And so are probably on side, almost all of them. So it's not so, you know, that, that's one of the other cool things about podcasting is that uh, you can be pretty certain about who you're talking to, to at least to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so thank you, listeners, for finding us. Great job. <laughs> um, so building on that, what okay. are some of the beliefs, values and ethics that are behind and support and that you engage with for both the Windsor polyamory community and this polyamorous life. I mean, we've we've already talked about some of them, just sort sort of implied them at least. You know, like um, definitely um, inclusivity or, or or diversity is a real important thing for us. Mm -hmm. um, we want to sort of cover a diversity of opinions, a diversity of of ways of being, um, as well as, you know, the, the more, your more standard diversities of gender and, and, uh, ethnicity and all that culture type stuff. Okay. Um, we definitely wanted to have that, but also, um, you know, the, the other thing, you know, talking about ethics, you know, we want to make sure, you know, when we, when I say safe space, that doesn't just mean a place where it is safe to say that you're polyamorous. Right. It also means a safe space where you can, a space where you can learn about how to be safer, whether that means um, safer as in safe sex or safer as in like, what is a, you know, how do I, um, you know, live polyamorously uh, while well, also um, having security in the sense of things like, um, talking about like couples privilege and stuff like that right yeah. needing to make sure that um that all partners are um equal in some sense in the you know like going back to the beginning uh, you know with we're moving in with you know, we're getting a new nesting partner we're going to be a triad living together there's a whole bunch of legal issues that we're going to be working through and stuff like that 
you know, this is stuff that we need to be thinking about as a community. Yes. Right? Like, how do we make it so that we can have three people owning a house, and if a divorce or a death or something horrible happens, right, or, or, or you know, a divorce in the sense of just one person leaving or, or whatever, right, how does that work so that all three people are equal or equivalent and yeah. in, 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 in all that? Like, that is uh, an important thing to be thinking about. Um, and just to touch on that, mm-hmm. having as... As someone who has done research on this, mm-hmm. some of the key ways that we have for that right now are like contracts drafted with lawyers yeah. or wills, but then that creates and power of attorneys and various contractual agreements mm-hmm. with other institutions because mm-hmm. marriage is kind of the trump all right now in yeah. terms of Canadian law and yeah. law globally, really, yeah. at this point in time. So it's finding those other ways of contractual agreements. Yeah. And that, again, like, kind of coming back to that privilege point is, like, only accessible to people who are able to afford those fees and Mm -hmm. things like this. And there are lawyers out there who have started to kind of specialize in Mm -hmm. using the law to support polyamorous families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so those are the sort of things that we're, like, there's things like that, but things about... Um, you know, for, for the, um, you know, young single people, right? How do they stay protected going through, uh, life when there's, you know, you talk about, um, predation and stuff like that, you know, we need to make that safe in that sense as well. Yes. Right. And, and all that, um, you know, so, so, so that's kind of part of the, the idea around safety, um, in a sense as well, you know, so, so there's, you know, how do we do this ethically? How do we do this thinking about everyone that's involved and making sure that they are, um, protected within reason, you know, yeah. as, as far as they can be, Absolutely. You know, that sort of a thing is a, a thing that we talk about. We don't actually have, you know, with a lot of this stuff, we don't have answers, we definitely we, have more questions still. We have, we have more questions than answers, but but that but that's one of the things. Like I mean, when you come to the polyamory um, social, what we have is uh, we've got a bunch of conversation starter cards, right, that are filled with questions, and sort of the idea is um, that we don't have answers to a lot of things, but there are questions that can help guide your thinking to make sure that you that we're all thinking about the same things, even if we don't necessarily all come up to the same answers, you know? So are we all thinking about what is best for everyone? Are we all thinking about, you know, making sure that we're, we're keeping each other, um, keeping each other safe, keeping each other, like keeping everyone feeling loved, all that sort of stuff. Also accountable and open and honest and respectful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All of those things, right? How do we make sure that we're, that we are um, doing that, right? You know, those are things, and and in a sense, with the questions, you know, in some ways it's, some ways it's us being a little tricksy here because, you know, getting people to come up with their own answers to those questions makes it is a lot more significant than just telling people be open be honest Absolutely. be respectful right but we need those cornerstones in there right right of course of course and that's why you know th- those are those are things that are that are cornerstones and that you know when you have um when we ask you know we you ask the right questions yeah. to get 
to get people thinking along those lines. And communities, they need to be asking these questions of how do we ensure everybody is protected, especially as we go into like these things of poly families owning houses and children and things like mm -hmm. this, because as a community, we can create our own answers to these questions that gives us ownership. And then that gives us a better idea of what we then need to go and tell the governments and hold <laughs> governments accountable to, to start having changes within national and, and international policy around, around supporting families that are different from the standard monogamous married couple. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing as well. Like totally when it comes to, yeah, for, for us, Right now, you know, talking about what is our community doing, that is something that is, um, you know, very much like be beyond the horizon mm -hmm. to us. It's maybe slightly. But those little conversations are already happening. Yeah. It's, which it's one of those things. to the big story. Yeah. Right? It's, it's one of those things where it's like. Those it's one little of those conversations. Things where it's, like, it's over the horizon. It's not extremely far away, but well, it's, but it is a thing where like for us right now, we're focused on uh, a little bit on the now. Yeah. rather than on but that is yeah that's a that's a thing that's going to be happening at some point totally. like how do we get um what to what degree to how do we want the government to deal with us basically yeah. is the thing and does that mean that we want government recognition of uh of plural marriage for example which is currently against the law and for perhaps good reason because of the polygamy, polygamy and religious and, affiliation and, and, and all that sort yeah. of and all that sort of thing um right like, like polyamory is legal in canada because we're not polygamous yeah because we are not doing plural marriage yeah. so what happens though when we want government recognition of our relationships like you know basically the the idea the, the decision was, so long as you don't want government recognition of your relationships, you're fine. Well, but now we're getting into the points where in order to be, um, in order to be, to be ethical, we need the recognition of yes. our relationships, right? Before, for, right, the, before the governments have banned, um, banned, uh, uh, plural marriage because the assumption was that it was inherently unethical, you know, Fair enough in that if it's unethical, it should be banned, but... But there's unethical monogamy, right, <laughs> well, in the course. same sense. Yeah. So, 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 how do you, so how do you then, if you have multiple relationships that where you are striving to be as ethical as possible, right, then how do you get the government recognition of that or, or any recognition of that, for that matter, um, you know, it, it, it's, um, these are big questions. It's an that, open question. Yeah. But communities, we should start to think about it and talk <laughs> about within our communities. Well, yeah. Yeah. To know for when the days start to come Yeah, and they will. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's one of those things where like, you know, we're, we're doing what we, we're doing what we can with what we have for the moment. Yeah. And, you know, and it's one of those things where when we, when we come up upon a barrier, then we'll push on it and see yeah. what happens. We have, but this kind of goes back to what I was, to what I was saying a little bit before about, you know, so often people, the barriers that people have are the barriers that they've put on themselves, right? 
Um, and you only know where your barriers really are if you try to push on them. <laughs> and for re- or for listeners out there, there is a thesis that exists on this. <laughs> Perhaps we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll put your thesis in the show notes for sure. For sure, You're, um, you'll be the second thesis that we've had in our show notes. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. So another question, kind mm-hmm. of more targeting the podcast is how do you find your stories? How do you find the people to tell their tales? Um, well, so so for season one, it was um, literally just like looking out into our community and saying, hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do this? And and then also the people that I'm, I'm friends with uh, around the world um, and people that I've met and just say, hey, would you be interested? And... Um, Pretty much everybody said yes, <laughs> and uh, that was really good, and and yeah. So so everybody that has been on so far of people that I've met personally beforehand. Um, next season will likely be people that I haven't met uh, will be included as well, which should be interesting. Um, but yeah, it, so so the stories have basically been, you know, just just the stories that I'm just just picking up. Picking up off of this is what's happening right now, right? So you know it, it's um, I don't I don't have any science to show it's a representative sample or anything like that, but it sure, is but it is a, but it is a uh, but it is the sample of convenience or yeah conv- it's a sample of convenience of the people I am acquainted with and that's where I'm picking up my stories from um but yeah it's uh yeah it was fun so for future stories say there's a listener out there and they're like I really want to talk to Reg I really want to share my story can they contact you uh that's a good question um you can contact the podcast at thispolyamorouslife at gmail.com uh, and if you're interested in uh, sharing your story, um, we'd love to hear from you, actually. That would be really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's why I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Um, anyway, so, yeah, uh, I guess we should probably wrap up. We've been yeah. going for like an hour. Um, should you thank me or should I thank you? How does this go now? We could do a mutual thank you. All right, one, two, three. Thank, thank you. you, Charity. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, and thank you, listener, for listening uh, to this special, this Polyamorous Life podcast, uh, and I hope you all have a happy holiday. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to This Polyamorous Life, sponsored by WindsorPolyamory.wordpress.com. Please like, rate, and review the show wherever you can. It does help a lot. If you're listening on Twitter, let me know. I'm at Life Polyamorous. To help out the show financially, go to patreon.com slash thispolyamorouslife. This show was put together by me, Reg Robson, with some editing help from Aaron Christmas. A big thanks goes to Charity for coming on and interviewing me this week. I'll be back with another conversation for you sometime this year. We are preparing for the Windsor Pride Fest Parade. I'm here at the corner of Ottawa and Argyle in Windsor, Ontario. And we are with Windsor Polyamory. And we're going to have an awful lot of fun in this parade.
What do you find valuable about Windsor Polyamory? It's a relaxed group of people who are enjoying each other's company and happen to have something in common. The thing that I love about Windsor Polyamory from the start, the first event that I came to, people are warm, welcoming, open, and accepting, and fun. Um, I think the entire Windsor Polyamory community is very dedicated to an authentic expression of self and to growing and learning more about each other in the world, and I think that's really valuable. Find Windsor Polyamory at windsorpolyamory.wordpress.com.